0: They're checking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying padernosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to
1: target on the Arnhem Highway.
2: Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps
3: as launch time moves, and in the front bar of the Top End pub... So as we're discussing this, I decide, as is my want, to make it a little bit Shakespearean. I jump up on the cast deck with a flourish of the rod and declare To Bimney or not to Bimney? That is the question. Whether tis nobler on the merry to cop the sting and blisters of outrageous heat stroke, or to put the bastard shade up and risk dropping a e in the tangled fray. Beard! Wharton, I... get your bums in the boat and get on with it! G'day fishers, welcome to the tinny. On a week that sees, well, he shows everywhere in full expectation management mode. Torn between that wide-eyed idealist, the hard-nosed realist, scanning the beautiful maps and the apps, mesmerised by the forecast models, the swooshes and the colours. Maybe frantically trying to finish those wet season trailer repairs. Just in case the rumours are true and this low's actually going to settle in. Let its hair down, dim the lights... Make itself a little bit comfortable. Beard and Andy with you, in the absence of one t- Timothy Moore, who's uh he's been lured to a mate's wedding down south somewhere. Uh, Andy, can you imagine Tim in a wedding?
2: Oh, I can imagine him, Beard. I can just see it now. You know, rolling out of the Datsun One Twenty White at the front <laughs> gate and walking walking down the aisle in a, in a in his bare feet with his tuxedo and a bow tie made of an old black sock.
3: Yeah, 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 t- yeah. The shirt t- tucked out, you know. I can see him sort of, you know, uh, hanging around the cake, you know, well before it's time to cut it. You know, bit pink, of,
2: pink icing in the beard. Bitty, bit of spaghetti bolognese stain on his shirt. Yeah, and they're not even serving spaghetti. <laughs> no, that, that was from the night before. Yeah. <laughs> I can picture it. Yes, I can beard.
3: Uh, in the meantime, there's um, uh, a little bit of uh, weather shown uh, on the horizon over in the Gulf. Andy, you've got a weather station at your place. Mm. What's it been telling you?
2: It's been telling me it's been raining. So last, last week, I think we had about 97 mills in one day last week. Oi. So that's pretty good. This is, uh, this is good, Beard, because this is the injection of hope back into the equation in what's otherwise been hopeless over the last few weeks Yeah, in yeah. terms of weather. This is, this is good news, isn't
3: it? Oh, and, it's, and, and, and even uh, this, this morning, like uh, scanning the Facebook feed, there was a lot of people that uh, saw that rain come like, come through last night and went, oh, all right, we're on. I'm jumping in the boat. Who's, who's with me? Uh, it's, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it, I, he just said, sweet baby Jesus, it's about time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it is about, it's about being ready, isn't it, Beard? You know, it's not, not the old days really where we just get a whole season full of fishing. This is about grabbing opportunities. And we'll speak to some of the guys later who did exactly that. They grabbed an opportunity at very short notice uh, mm. and, and did well out of it.
3: I took an opportunity this week uh, to, um, to have a look at the, the tinny pigeonhole. Uh, At at Tinny HQ, which um, hadn't really been checked for a long time, uh, basically. And there was a whole bunch of mail from from uh, 2017. Oh, yeah. Um, In that was a little um, envelope, nondescript. And I opened it up and this little card, Merry Christmas. Right. Dear Tales from the Tinny Boys, Merry Christmas and a happy 2017. Regards, Andy Wharton. (laughs) So I'm sorry you to say, Andy, we only just got this card, um, but thank you very much.
2: That's back when I was in my former career.
3: Sometimes it takes a while, but we do we do get to the to the mail. Uh, so thank you very much. It was a nice little bit of y- Yuletide delight. I'm glad you in, got in, it in February. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, in 2020, it's up on the mantelpiece <laughs> now. <laughs> um, with Tim away, uh, to Andy, like theoretically, this is the time that we should be talking about uh, about kayaking. Yeah. Um, we won't be doing it, Fishers. Uh, it's the prime opportunity, but uh, we'll have to wait till another day. You're listening to Tales from the... Kayak. Get a up, yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the man, the myth, the ayatollah of the DKVR and the proprietor of Rod and Rifle World in, ta- in, in, in Tackle World in Catherine <laughs> is also the man who's likely to hurt people if this low in the gulf doesn't eventuate. Warren DeWitt, g'day.
4: Yeah, good afternoon, fellas. Yes, if it doesn't, there's going to be a bit of a throwdown, I reckon, in Catherine next week. If I don't see this low doing what they're predicting, it's going to do because this is going to be our saviour if it happens.
2: And and what are the odds, Warren? Can we put numbers on this? <laughs> <laughs> what are
4: the odds of it not happening? Pretty high? Uh, what are the odds of it happening? Probably pretty low because you know we're all so hoping so much it's likely to disappoint us, but... Let's just keep our fingers crossed that it doesn't actually disappear on us and it does exactly what the weather bureau and the other models are saying it should do. Can we get some sort of pressure gauge on your ears? Um, <laughs> well, it's running at 9.9. 9. <laughs> How am about that to explode.
2: <laughs> we could maybe divide divide that by the blood pressure. We'll come up with a formula to figure out whether this is really going to happen or not, all, all based on Warren's ear pressure and blood
0: pressure. <laughs> exactly.
3: Seriously,
4: though, I mean, like, best case scenario in your mind, what, what happens? Best case scenario is it comes inland, possibly a little bit further north than what they're predicting. So it catches the catchments of the, both the Catherine, the south, the east, which then will get those rivers up and flushing. It's actually probably too far south other than maybe helping the bottom of the Roper and MacArthur River areas and the Lemon. Yep. But it would be great if it did drift further north and sort of come above Catherine, which then would deliver a lot of rain onto those uh, catchments and floodplains.
2: I know this is looking way into the future, but say it does happen and say we do get the rain in those catchments, That still won't be enough, will it? There's other things that have still got to happen after that.
4: Well, yeah, it's just got to make sure that we get enough rain out there, but also it it continues to rain or or we still continue to get a monsoon coming through and it doesn't shut off and disappear too quick because otherwise whatever falls out on the floodplains is going to come off way too quick. And it's all about developing the food source for the barra to stay inside the river systems or even come inside the river systems to hunt for food. So unless we get enough rain to fill up the billabongs and then maintain the height of the billabongs and floodplains, so that the food has enough time all the bait fish have enough time to develop and mature and then come off when we start calling the runoff it won't really do anything other than put a bit of water into the into the rivers
2: i'm an eternal optimist warren and i think that what's happening in this whole picture is that the the runoff is just being shifted Back a month. That's all it is.
3: A month? Well I hope or a month,
2: you're a right. month plus. A month to six weeks. So <laughs> instead of saying March April, we'll be saying April, May, or
4: maybe even May June. Mm. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope that that's what all it is, is just running a little bit behind. But my gut feeling tells me no, it's not it's not the case. Um, it's gonna be one of those ones like we get whacked between the ears really quick and it'll disappear and we'll flick the switch at the beginning of May and we'll be into the dry season, which Is a little bit disappointing but we have to live with what we got. I'm happy to put faith in your gut
3: (laughs) (laughs) Warren.
2: So you're saying Warren's gut is going to trump my optimism.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well let's hope I'm wrong that's the best thing I mean everyone reckons I can't predict the weather for you know what so maybe by me saying that it's going to finish early and that we're not going to get this monsoonal low and all the rest of the wet season might end up just showing me how little I know about the weather.
3: Any reports of successful fish captures under this uh, umbrella of suspense?
4: Well, a few boys went out to the Vic on the weekend hoping that after that fair bit of rain that they had over on that side that there would be some runoff or or some colour change in some of the smaller creeks that feed into into the Victoria River below Timber Creek, but all the river systems or all those little creeks sorry that were coming in were all the same colour as the river itself mm. and the only people that I spoke to that managed to catch a fish were some guys who were in a helicopter who flew into a different area that boats can't get to and was able to catch 11 bower off the bank so it was tough going, um, most people said that the catfish were plentiful hey. um, <laughs> but the rest of the uh, the scene of barra and everything were very quiet. And that's typical, um, even even when I think back in all the good wet seasons, February's always been fairly uh, tough or fairly slow going in regards to catching and finding where the barra are. Normally we're blaming the fact that the barra are out on the floodplains and they're not dropping back into those river systems yet because they don't need to, because there's so much food and water out on the floodplains. But now there's no water out on the floodplains and the barra's still not really in that um, position because a, the food's not there, and, and that's the same scenario when it's in flood or when it's not in flood. There's just not enough food for those fish to be in the system at this time of the, the month. Totally different scenario, but the same answer. You spoke last week about um, that without that rain and
3: runoff, uh, the fish shows have to adapt and maybe think about fishing it like the mm. build-up, fishing out front as the fish just haven't come up yet until we see what happens next week. Is that still kind of the message? Yeah,
4: I'd be trying to find clear water um, out the front would be the only place that you're going to possibly be able to find clear water. And, and obviously on the big tides, Shady Camp and that, I see they've had a fair bit of rain during this week as well, which is really good for up the top there because the East Alligator and the bottom section of the Mary and that have had you know, up to 100 mils in the last couple of days. So that's good rainfall for on those floodplains up there and, and that should help fire up Shady Camp and fire up some of those uh, northern River Systems, the Wildman, and those ones up top there, Um, hopefully we'll get enough water now to help fill them up and get them ready when the runoff does start.
3: Warren, I had a a little side uh, digression question for you. Uh, Uh I went fishing with a mate last week, and um, he he allowed me to bring uh, two rods. He had four rods, same setup on each one, same rod, same reel, but had a vibe on one, a soft placky on the other, a hard body on the other, and I can't remember what he had on, on, on the other one. I was just wondering, which uh, route you favour? To have that pre-rigged scenario ready to jump on, you know, if, if, the, if the bite is hot, or are you, are you sitting there,
4: you know, retying leaders as you go? He's my man. That bloke there is a thinker. <laughs> he, he is the true person who gets the seven Ps in place before yeah. he goes out. And that's what you need to do you need to be prepared I, I get so cranky when i take people fishing with me and they pull out their rods and reels and start clicking them onto their rods and start winding and undoing and starting to put on a leader and i'm looking at them, mate i've caught five fish while you're sitting there <laughs> gazing at your navel so yes you need to have that prior preparation you need to be organized you need to know that yes i have four rods and that's what i do i i do take as many rods as I can shove into my boat mm. and be prepared to select the one that I think suits the scenario that I'm looking at and say, okay, maybe I should try a soft plastic in here. And a lot of the times, whoever casts first accurately will catch the barra straight away because nine times out of 10, there is a resident or a couple of resident barra living at those creek mouths. And if you can put a cast into a likely looking spot, and if the barra are there Aggressively looking for food, pretty much within that first or second cast, you'll hook up and and you'll get a a barra on. I reckon. All right, Warren. Well, look as much as you can.
3: Try to, you know, to cool that, <laughs> <Not cut my laughs> release throat. that pressure, mate. Yeah. <laughs> in, 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 I'm going to have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good idea. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope it eventuates, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. See you, boys.
5: The first thing I caught was me dog.
3: Two of the trebles poking straight through each nostril and one was hanging out the front, hooking his tongue on the actual treble and his tongue was stuck up over his nose. You never know, mate. It's definitely driving me to the drink, mate. Tales from the tinny. Nathan Corpus is uh, someone we haven't heard, of, heard from for a while. Uh, I'm guessing that's for one of two reasons. Either he hasn't been fishing, which I don't really believe, uh, or he's just been keeping a low profile and keeping his... Head below the parapet. Nathan, which is it, mate? Oh,
6: a little bit of both. Um, you know, you can't give away everything these days. But, um, no, I've been fairly active and it's been fairly productive. But, uh, yeah, this one, this one slipped through the uh, media gaps.
3: You had been dobbed in. What happened, man? Tell us about this little trip.
6: I hadn't heard from Shane for a while, only to my disgust that to find out that he was over in uh, Japan snowboarding and making snow angels.
3: Um, <laughs> He'd make a good snow angel.
6: Yeah, well, <laughs> there's got to be some improvement to that head. <laughs> um, yeah, basically at footy training uh, on Tuesday night, and um get this phone call, and he's like, Bro, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm footy training. And he goes, Okay. I said, What are you doing? Where are you? Like, how's the snow? He's like, Yeah, good. He goes, But no time to talk about that. He said, uh, Meet me at my place at midnight. Oof. And, I was, and I was like, Oh, real rendezvous. Oh, yeah. So it was basically just a little sneaky. Another little sneaky school night trip, and because um, we had work the next day, so he wanted to basically go down and see if the fish were biting at night, see what they were doing, what the river was doing, etc. Which river? Oh, one of those ones down the track, probably a couple of hours.
3: One of the oh yeah, just down the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
6: Mate, no, it was down the daily. So we headed down there because um, Shane had been obviously seeing all the posts from Bamboo. yeah Um, right. so he was starting to get a bit itchy, um, and so was I. So we headed off.
3: Is it He would have been seeing them from Japan.
6: Yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just can't focus.
6: No, no. So, I couldn't imagine how that was for him. But, um, yeah, he said two weeks. You guys, I'm never doing another two-week holiday. Two weeks too long without fishing. <laughs> but,
3: no. All right.
6: But, uh, so, yeah, we headed down, started to fish, um, you know, a few of the, uh, the main creeks. And, but, yeah, like I said, to no avail. You know, a little bit of buffing and stuff going on, but they just weren't feeding active at night. So, come morning, Shane was telling me, he goes, Right, well, if we don't get them at night, we'll definitely get them in the morning. We've got a bike window of about an hour, hour and a half. He said, Then we've got to take off. He goes, I've got to go to work, open no up the shop. We headed to uh, one of Shane's Spot X's, a bit of activity going on, but um, again, you know, they just wouldn't take the lure yep. um, until the magic words, All right, let's go, one last calf.
3: Every time
6: every time and then I hook on to this little rat and we're like yeah you know big celebration like it was a you know dollar twenty. so we bit the bullet and we it off and cruising back to the boat ramp and change just pulled off to the side and he's like I said oh what are you doing what's wrong he goes I see a few older fishos fish here and we'll just give it a look give it a sound I said all right he goes we got half an hour to dry it done we went over it bang there was fish on it third cast in I get absolutely pumped and um you know, the whole ooh and R
2: ah and,
6: you know, like, freaking damn it. How can this thing not hook up? We've got that many bloody hooks hanging off this lure. <laughs> and um, Shane's got us in that prime spot. and We're, we're flicking away, flicking away. But, again, no we just couldn't get them. Shane's like, righto, I'm just going to cruise up here and then we're going to take off. So I just thought, righto, I'll just flick out again, one last cast, and then Shane hits accelerate on the freaking encoder actually dragging my sort of lure, like, closer to the snag. And I'm like, oi, 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 just back off, like, you know. And he's like, oh, man, come on. We've got to get to work. Just gave it two twitches and then bang, it was on. So the fish come out of the water and we're both like, oh, it's a horse. Friggin', you know, when you get that hit and you just see that fish just come out but only comes halfway out and you just, like, automatically bang straight to that dollar twenty size and, you know, <laughs> the knee starts shaking and everything like that. And then for whatever reason, it comes full length out of the water, and we're like, yeah, it's only a 90.
3: Oh, jeez. Oh, You're never going nah. to hear me out of those words, Andy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
6: Such a clean, solid fish, and pretty much the way that it hit it and and how it hit so aggressively, you know, it was definitely feeding. But we just, yeah, unfortunately, we just couldn't stay any longer. Old man Steve's campaign, you could just hear him, hear him <laughs> grumbling from pool Linger. Shane to get back home, so <laughs> we bit the bullet and uh, we decided to head it off. So Shane's and dobbed
3: you in. He's he's posted the photo and he's had the nerve to have a little dig at uh, at your haircut.
6: I only got it a couple of days prior. A
3: couple of days down, it was only just starting to come on. Good.
6: Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, so I mean, I tried to turn it on as best as I could. You know, fresh haircut, brush my teeth before I left. You know, wore the camo shirt.
3: And, anything and, to get an edge.
6: Like, any just you know anything. Yeah. He's a cheeky
3: bastard.
2: Well, you did it. You got the edge, didn't you? You got the that's edge, right. you got the 90, yeah. you went back and yeah. you went to work. Yeah. How, how many last casts do we really need? There's never such no. a thing really. Well, I guess there's only ever one last cast, but there's about 20 that lead up
3: to it. Yeah,
6: that's it. So, and it's always that last cast, you get that fish and you've got to go. That's, that's
3: the bit that hurts. It speaks to the calibre of the fishers that we're dealing with here that, you know, who are were, who were disappointed by a 90. Yeah, that's right.
2: That's like I, I only won third division. I didn't get second. You know?
3: Yeah. Ah. jeez.
6: Ah, ah. Ah,
2: <laughs> Another bloody 90. 90s
6: sort, sort of haunted me. I'm sitting on around 75 metres and um, 90s just keep popping up and I'm just like trying to shake it,
3: shake that bad 90 juju off. And- Listen to him. I'm sitting on 75 metres. <laughs> that's
6: it. You
2: know? And I've got 90 juju. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: yeah. I, well, I, I'll tell you something. i got 53 juju. I keep catching 53s. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is there a certain sweetness to out fishing Shane on his own boat?
6: No, well it, it's it's a, a regular basis for me actually. A lot of people don't know this, but then if you go back in the archives, seeing Corpus First Campaign, you'll see that uh, Campaign's got a little bit of catching up to do. The only problem is is that when we go to a comp, I don't know how, I don't know why, uh, I don't know what it is, yeah, but he's just
3: which is much more in the pub- public eye and. Uh...
6: So, but we probably wouldn't have been having this conversation if I'd been posting up a lot more pics, though. But, um...
3: <laughs> he, he, he's happy to slip, let a 90 slip through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you would be eyeing off this uh, this low in the Gulf too, man. You got any, any trips planned off the back of that?
6: Yeah, we've got a few sneaky trips that we're, you know, basically it's going to be pretty much come down Right to the last couple of hours, and the phone call is going to be made. and Yeah, right. We'll, uh, we'll keep you posted three months
3: after that. I'm sure, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. beyond. Oh, uh, right, well, good on you. Good to, uh, you know, it runs back on the board, and I guess the head goes back below the parapet once more. That's it. Good on you, mate. Right. Catch you around. All
6: right, guys. Thanks for your time.
5: Cheers. Tail the tinny. Get a mud up, yeah. Tag. I <laughs> like. Shoot it.
7: Right. share it. upload, shout it. give us a
2: Ash Garner from NT Coastal Fishing Charters down Borroloola Way. He sent us a screenshot of a weather forecast showing things getting pretty blowy in the Gulf next week. Uh, very much so around Borroloola by the looks. He also said this. He said pretty quiet here at the moment mate plenty of reefies getting caught and the odd barra the river's been up and it's very dirty so you have got to do a few miles to find the cleaner water
3: mm yeah well look if if the uh if the mesmerizing beautiful uh, uh forecast model is to be believed then Baralula is going to be getting some more weather on ya ash thanks for thanks for getting in touch uh Rhino also gave us a hoy this is the fellow who Once saved a kingfisher far out at sea. Yes, I remember Yeah, G'day crew. Not a colossal atrocity. Owning it anyhow. Good boy. (laughs) Forgot to latch the trailer hitch. Going for a fish at leaders on Sunday. Launched no dramas. Uh, Recovering the trailer popped off the hitch. Um, Thanks to the lads at the ramp that gave my old man a hand to lift it back on. One gent was sporting a glorious mullet. The kind of mud flap that would negate the need for stone guards on the front of the trailer, even.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a good mullet. <laughs> uh, mainly troll for barrow with uh, a little bait drowning mixed in for a donut. Not even a stinking catty.
2: Oh, yeah, that hurts, it hurts. Uh, Lisa the Brave got in touch with us too. She sent a recording. Just wanted to report in and let
8: you know that I have spotted two days in a row a pair of crimson finches building nests in my backyard in Palmerston. Now I may be grasping at straws but if Kai the great wet weather forecaster is anything to go by the appearance of crimson finches and the fact that they're building nests may indicate that rain is on the way. I thought I'd let you know any glimmer of hope that of a wet season in 2020 is worth holding on to at this point in time. Anyway,
2: over. Mm. And we do sort of look to strange places for indicators of what the heavens are going to do to us, don't we? I mean, we've already spoken today about Warren's gut. Oh, yeah. And, yep. and Kai has obviously mentioned previously about the Crimson Finches, and now, I guess, you know, Lisa's corroborating that. her very own Lisa the Brave.
3: It sounds like, uh, you know, perhaps the Finches are a more reliable indicator than Warren's gut at this point.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'd run with that.
3: Mm. Um, Andy, you'd recall this from uh, last week?
2: And tuna bust-ups in the harbour, like in the wet season, February, with not a storm to be seen. I don't know, mate. What's, what is going no, no, on? I, what hard. is happening out?
5: Is this human-induced climate change? And Do we ha- even want to raise the prospect uh, with the Church of the Tinny? Do we dare? Can we expect to see Barra caught under the ferry terminals of Circular Quay sometime soon? Well, Andy, um,
3: <clears throat> I hate to tell you, but you reap what you sow. Because guess what happened?
7: G'day guys, it's Mick from Complete Angler at Villawood in Sydney. One of my customers was um, fishing the Parramatta River right in the heart of the city. Like you could not get any more closer to Parramatta City. And caught a barramundi probably around 50 centimetres on a little uh, Daiwa double clutch Lure. He, he was working for bass and picked uh, picked this fish up. So absolutely crazy type of capture um, and particularly before the rain that we've had as well too we had that weekend we had about gosh about 200 you know mills of rain um, over the weekend so it really was flood conditions so um, there's a lot of weirs that are up in that Parramatta section and so obviously the fish was caught in that area but he said I couldn't believe this thing when it came up um, jumped and carried on did everything a barrow should do um, it was just absolutely amazing because we've had such a hot summer down in in Sydney the water temperatures actually quite warm um, but before that rain to give you an idea the water tent we had was 30 degrees in the river so it's pretty warm for Sydney so the fish could probably survive for you know probably another couple of months and obviously in the winter you know they'll probably will die off unfortunately um, but the fish was in great condition and and did all the typical bar things jumped and, and carried on so yeah he, he was pretty stunned by it him and his him and his daughter were just sitting there going this is just weird
3: you see what happens Wow, the power of prediction.
2: Who would have predicted that apart from Tim Moore?
7: (laughs) Barra and the para.
3: That's what that is. Now, the question is, what the heck was it doing in there? Um, We have seen this before. Word is that uh, it's something to do with religious groups, possibly Buddhists, releasing fish live uh, into the river uh, as part of a religious practice which gives them good karma. Now, once that water gets cold enough... Those fish will die, and I would assume that the karma, none too good. Well, it gives the angler good karma too, doesn't it? If you're a
2: Sydney sider and you catch a barra, I'd call that good karma.
3: Fish, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fishing for bass and landing a barra. Uh, on this, this is you know, uh, fish news from elsewhere. Um, there was other news this week about there's been so much rain falling around the Gold Coast lately mm. that the mozzies have gone crazy, and so the council's encouraging people, giving away... Uh, little these little rainbow fish oh. to put in their ponds and put wherever the heck they can uh, to help uh, eat the larvae. Wow! You can just go to the council and say I need more fish. Piscatorial power. Yeah.
2: Ben Wyatt, he's given us a hoi. He's a mate of slings from Tassie. A bit of breaking news for you guys, a, a travesty if you will. Recently, some Tassie brim fishers made the pilgrimage to Gippsland lakes to do their part in the Malakuda fires fundraising round of the Australian Bass Tournament's brim qualifier. Imagine the disbelief, they say, when on the way home, one angler attempted to take some reels in his carry-on luggage, only to be told by security that they'd be confiscating them. Mm. Have you had this before?
3: Uh, funnily enough, I have.
2: Yeah, so um, have I. It's very annoying. What happened to you? Uh, I had to pull all the line off it, so, you know, rip, rip the line off it, and then I was able to carry the reel on.
3: You had to rip all the line off? Where did the line go?
2: In the bin in the b- Oh. yeah with a little chicken fifty five bucks, whatever it costs to spool up
3: yeah 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 well this this happened to me uh uh over the Chrissy break, they said it was a pretty new rule, uh, and they they enabled me to uh to check in just the spools oh. separately in a little box,
2: yeah okay. seeing that
3: little box come in in Darwin around the. <laughs> the, uh, the conveyor belt was a bit was was funny. Oh, there they are. Um, but anyway, you know, the reason given was like, oh, you know, because you might be able to strangle the pilot. Okay, what about my shoelaces, mate? Yeah,
2: did you want my belt?
3: What about my belt?
2: <laughs> it's angler discrimination. Mm. It's an outrage. Anyway, two choices were laid out: uh, mail the reels home or donate them to security. The offer to remove the spools was made, and that's um, that's obviously what happened there. So. He says, I'm not sure about you, but I don't tend to plan my flights around a visit to the airport postal service when carrying something as innocent as a <laughs> couple of fishing reels with me. Yeah. Anyway, look, he concludes here, let this be a warning to fishers all over. It's easier to transport coronavirus
3: than it is to transport a fishing reel. <laughs> <laughs> you two can give us a Ahoy, fishers, fishing at abc.net.au uh, or uh, get in touch via Facebook. Go on. Give us a hoey. Shoot it. Share it.
1: Shout it. Give us a hoy.
3: Keith Russell. He's been tripping to the top end for donkeys years. Based out of Man and Greta for ages and coming up pretty much every month for a long time for, to chase barra, deweys and reefies. Technically a potty mullet from Vico, but sort of not too. He's up here that much. Um, anyway, he's been up again fishing with Ringy from Darwin Barrow and Crab this time and doing better than most, I'd say. Uh, I caught up with him earlier this week. and um, Look, the caginess was subtle, but it was there.
0: Well, we went to the south of uh, Darwin. Uh, I think people know that area pretty well to know where, where there's good fishing, and uh, that's where we were.
3: Coastal Creek, was it?
0: Yes, it was. Tides were massive. Uh, we left early in the morning out of Darwin at 4am and uh, travelled south. Uh, we've limited it in a couple of ways. One is we had to have enough water to be able to launch and then uh, we had to get to our location because it was it had the potential to be locked in, which we were. And uh, once we're in there, we then had to wait till the uh, tide ran out and then we fished on the run out and... Uh, slack water and the run-in, and uh, that's where it was uh, most productive.
3: How productive are we talking here?
0: Well, 22 fish on the Wednesday and uh, 18 on the Thursday.
3: All right, let's go to the first day. How did that session uh, start off?
0: Well, very slowly. We we worked very hard, uh, tr- tried trolling, tried travelling. The uh, side scanner was the the secret of everything, being able to see the fish along the banks, And uh, the fish were at places where visually you'd look and say, well, that's just not likely to have fish on it. But with a side scanner, it makes all the difference. And uh, we could see fish and uh, we were casting uh, along that uh, side bank uh, out near the mouth of the creek. And uh, it was actually not until close to the bottom of the tide and the start of the run-in that that it was productive. The, The window of opportunity was very limited.
3: So before that, were you, you were spotting them on the sounder, but uh, but weren't able to raise them.
0: That's exactly right. Mm. Yes, caught a few salmon, threadies, uh, relatively small ones, which are the good eating ones. We didn't keep any, but uh, they they were limited. But they were there were some of and blue salmon. Uh, but it was the barrow we were targeting, and uh, it wasn't until close to the bottom of the tide that they started to come on.
3: And so when they did come on, uh, what uh, what did you start bringing aboard?
0: Every 10 casts or 15 casts, there'd be a fish.
3: Jeez, that's all right, isn't it? The, the
0: window was fairly narrow, but the, the productivity the, the was very good.
3: Up to what size?
0: Uh, 92 centimetres.
3: Uh, were there sort of many up, up to that that size, or were you kind of, you know... you? Get... Oh,
0: the, the, out of the 22, there was probably five or six getting close to that. There were maybe uh, six or eight that were undersized.
3: Were they feeding aggressively at that point?
0: No, they weren't. It, it, up till about the slack water, they were ru- taking the, the lures rather apprehensively uh, and uh, you had to be right on the ball to get them.
3: And what were you chucking around?
0: Mostly vibes. Tried a bit of everything, but vibes were the, were the, definitely the go.
3: There's been sort of patchy rain around the place. Where you were, was there any sort of runoff to speak of?
0: Yes, there was. Uh, it took a long time nearly the bottom of the tide before the water cleared up and it, it did clear up quite well and uh, it was in the clearer water that the, the fishing was most productive.
3: So day two, how, how, how did day two differ?
0: Nearly repetitive of the first day. Yeah, we, so we, we got fairly wet and had a, uh, had a fairly challenging right to get to our location but uh, that, that's part and parcel of barrow fishing the fish are never where the, where it's easy to catch
3: them <laughs> Westerlies will blow them uh, uh, pretty strong so uh, how's the uh, how's the tailbone
0: no problem at all <laughs> uh, what, what, whatever whatever Carl could take I could take
3: <laughs> i ask you that too uh, Keith because what i haven't actually uh, addressed here is um and it's obviously no big deal for you but you're getting on to a, to a riper old age how old how old are you
0: uh, 82 this year
3: still dong and 25 barra in a session
0: oh well that's that's pretty much the norm when you're out at manningrida
3: your trip this time wasn't quite done yet what happened after you were targeting barra
0: well i had a charter book with offshore boats and uh went out uh to, off leaders creek uh towards the vernon islands and fish around there uh worked very hard all over the place and massive tide running and uh, I was fortunate to hook up on three jew fish in about forty minutes. Good sized fish too, close to a meter. Me hey. and we all know what they pull like.
3: You just hadn't had enough, had you, Keith? You just, you no, know.
0: I'd never had. Well, I've come home and, <laughs> and within a couple of days, I'm heading to Mallacoota to go fishing again.
3: I know you've got a you got a place at Malacoota. Uh Was it all good after the fires, mate?
0: Well, we haven't been back. We were helicoptered out of the uh, out of the fire zone after things had settled down. We're going back for the first time, but fortunately nothing that we've got over there in the way of all well, the house and uh, cars and a couple of boats, uh, a jetty and hanging nothing got burnt. We were very fortunate as uh, a lot of people weren't.
3: So 82 years old, do you feel like you're anywhere close to, to pulling up stumps on the fishing?
0: No way
3: doesn't sound like it. like <laughs> it. Can you visualize yourself at 82? Fishing as hard as that, Andy? Paint me a picture.
2: Mentally, yes. I don't know how I'd be physically at 82. I'd Mm. like to think I'd be like that.
3: I'm guessing you would still be very much the glass half full uh, person at 82, uh, but maybe biting off more than you can chew.
2: Most likely,
3: yeah. Yeah. Safety having having taken... The hundreds of holidays <laughs> yeah. by that stage, so I think that would have taken its its own toll I, I, on I your cer- person.
2: I certainly don't think I'll be skippering; that's for sure. I'll, I'll be I'll be going the charter when I'm eighty-two. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's on. Bing Fine. Oh yeah. He's on. Oh
3: yeah. Tales from the Tinny. Hey.
1: hey. Yeah, hey guys. there? Yeah, Chris from Nullenboy. I've been um diving up here for about eight years now. And, uh, yeah, went out the other day, spot I've dived quite a few times down past Cape Arnhem, down towards the Hummocks Way, about halfway to Groot. First spot of the day, just getting ready through the pick. And um, one of the boys just goes, yeah, what's that boy on the boat? Spun around, we're like, holy shit, whale shark. Then basically had a panic attack because I've been diving for 15 years all over the world. And um, never had the chance to dive with one, and then yeah, just to get one off Arnhem Land at home, it's just unbelievable. And yeah, the boys were good; they helped me get all my gear ready, and I'm right into my underwater photography, so I chucked us my camera, and I was lucky enough to get in first. But yeah, we didn't really need to rush because I ended up hanging hanging around for yeah
3: quite a while. What was it doing? It was just hanging around, you?
1: Yeah, I don't know if the noise of the anchor hitting the bottom brought it in or. It was it must have been feeding on that on that spot, yeah, it just comes straight up to the back of the boat next to the outboard. Oh, I don't know they're pretty curious and friendly things. We just hopped in and it hung around us for ages, eventually took off, and then we went up to do another drift because I know there was so many mackerel there like that's what we were chasing in Spanish. and we are like, all oh, righty, yeah, I'll we'll actually go up and do a drift now that it's sort of pissed off and we'll um try and get some fish in the boat. And so we speared a couple of mackerel in the first drift towards the end of the drift. That same um, little whale shark come up, which was about four meters, and then um, behind it another another big whale shark come up, probably probably a bit over six meters. So we actually had two swimming around with us for a bit there, <laughs> and um, then the little one took off, and the and the big one hung around. So we all swam around with that for a bit. It took off, went up, did another drift, and pretty much every drift from then on, towards the end of the drift, um, that big whale shark come back up. By the end of it, like he was rubbing himself on the anchor rope, and like. Basically coming up face to face with you, so I just gave him a bit of a pat on the um, top lip, and he went into like a yeah I don't know what they what the proper term is like a catatonic state or something. He just went vertical in the water, and I was just sitting there patting his top lip for ages. What the fuck? <laughs> like I said, we did a half a dozen drifts on this spot and seen him every time, and. Yeah, well, that last, that last time when I was patting I was patting it for probably 15 minutes. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> we,
3: There's only yeah, so long you can pat a, a whale shark for before it gets boring.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I reckon we would have had at least over an hour of swimming with them, total. Yeah, my, my mate actually filmed that with his iPhone, no case or anything, just stuck it straight up to the side of the boat. <laughs> so, um, yeah, had to give that a good rinse when we got out.
3: Yeah. Like, Because you were you're just under the surface, and it was sitting vertical with its nose up to you. How did that actually feel? Like, it just must have been trippy oh, as.
7: It was really
1: surreal. Just because it's, it's such a big animal. Like, you're looking down for ages at its tail. And um, I was actually, like, you know, peering over its top lip and looking right down into its gill rakers. And it was just, like, looking into a big cod mouth, really.
3: You're targeting Spanish. How was the spearing?
1: It was really good. Like a, I shot my bag limit of two, pretty quickly to about the 15 kilo model, and the other boys shot a shot a couple as well. And so um, after we finished with the whale shark, yeah, went to another spot and end up, yeah, end up getting a Mary sea perch up here as well, which I, look, i it's only the third one I've seen here ever.
3: Wow, how big? Uh,
1: it ended up going 6.9 kilo on certified scales, so it was actually a pretty good one too. Yeah, and we got yeah we got a. You know, a couple of nice big jacks as well. My mate's got his best jack, just under six and Yeah, the viz was unreal. Like, for here, it was like 20 metres viz, which is another sort of anomaly up here. Yeah, it's, that's when it's pretty special. Like, yeah, that's when you really get to see what the fish life can do up here. Like, you, you dive down and see five legal trout in one dive.
3: Swimming with whale sharks and spearing a, a Maori sea perch, it's not a bad day in the Territory, is it, Chris?
1: No, no, it's about as good as it gets, I reckon. <laughs>
3: Yeah, incredible experience on you, Chris. We did talk to a whale shark boffin after this uh, about it, and he said there's a there's actually a decent chance that those whale sharks would come around from the WA coast near uh, near Ningaloo oh, to yeah. travel. Yeah. yeah. Heads up though to all you fishers for whom this experience is uh, is a likely occurrence in the future, uh, all, while there. All two of you. Yeah. <laughs> while well, there seems to be nothing illegal about it in uh, in territory or federal environment or, or fisheries law. The, uh, the whale shark boffins don't necessarily encourage touching him, even if the encounter seems, as it did in this case, consensual.
5: Five five. It's nothing like the feeling of getting towed. I
3: thought it was just a bit of a piss take. Yeah.
6: Yes.
3: <laughs> it's back on.
0: <laughs> and bang.
3: Andy, the ABC's work, health and safety crew were in town this week. and um, I, I missed that. I was getting my nails done. On, well, yeah, I, I know you wouldn't, you know, you'd have an important reason, you know, for missing that particular meeting. But they were, they were in town and I think you can appreciate that the tinny has unique needs in this department. Um, you know better than anyone that sa- safety never, that is to say often, uh, takes a holiday, but there were some key takeaways from the butcher's paper session I thought worth a mention, applicable to the sorts of environs that we find ourselves in. Okay. Namely, you know, all that, you know, on a boat. Mm. Um, the first thing was that there's no point doing a retrospective risk assessment. <laughs> okay. There's no such thing. You sure? Uh, there's no such thing. Well, hang on, maybe there is. Yeah. Well, that was incredibly dangerous, what we just did. And yet yeah, we did it anyway. <laughs> that's the, that's the retrospective risk assessment. I think
2: we do those, don't we? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think we do that a lot. Actually. I've done them. Yeah. Okay. All mm. right. Mm, that's mm. good. Next. Um, next, uh, there was this nice little message. Are you going to like this? <clears throat> it's better to prepare and prevent rather than repair and repent. <laughs>
2: oh no, no, no! I think in the Church of the Tinny, we do a lot of repenting.
3: I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's lots perpetual of perpetual repentance. repentance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... Repent. <laughs>
2: Uh, I've done my fair share of repenting. Mm. What other uh, words of wisdom did you find from well, this Well, on,
3: on, on the form that you fill out, uh, there's a bunch of boxes you tick vis-a-vis the, uh, the possible risks present and how you mitigate them. Again, let's take this onto the boat. I'm gonna, I want to play a little game with you. All right. All right. I'll name a risk. Yep. And you name a mitigation strategy.
2: Mm-hmm. Access to amenities. Uh. Ice and beer in the esky within reach of the helm.
3: Okay. What about facilities, kinds of amenities?
2: Um, have a pot on your boat mm. and be travelling at least two knots. All right, yeah, you're doing you... well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Dot, dot,
2: dot. Psychological stress. Get a get a nudge on a lure, get a hit or catch a fish.
3: Hostile environments.
2: Mm, I don't know. Mozzie and sandfly spray. Very good. Not swimming in the water with the crocs. Mm, very good. Um, remaining reasonably sober whilst driving a boat.
3: Mm. Amicable with um, with uh, people possibly prone to violent uh, outbursts.
2: Trying to sort of calm the storm before the storm begins mm. when they get a bit cranky.
3: All right. Uh, flying objects.
2: Flying objects? Oh, lures and flies and so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah, look, just pick your crew carefully. Yeah. P- pick Pick someone that can fish.
3: Of course, the consideration of these these very important um, considerations uh, is not a new thing on the tinny obviously we need only go back to uh, to Corroboree Billabong circa t- 2017 probably just before you sent that Christmas card Andy mm. regarding the, the planning for the coverage of the Australian cricket team's bong sesh
5: I know how you hate forms and I do just as much but I got the job of filling uh, them out the Oc Health and Safety forms for this ah, trip lucky you. on the tinny The sorts of info I had to fill in. Uh, Distance and travel time, road conditions, boat insurance, like mind-numbingly boring. But then it came to this one. How will you ensure you have adequate shade, water and rest during the trip? At which point, I'm complete. I've lost my patience. i got a hat. Uh, I responded with... Rest assured we'll have a cup of warm milk before early beddy buys the night before. I think we're all well rested. If we need an emergency bush poo, however, and can only find sandpaper fig leaves, a common challenge in the savannah woodlands at the top end, we hereby waive the ABC from any legal or medical bills to remedy itchy and inflamed buttocks. Mm, Not so much the buttocks. What I was trying to test in this occult and safety form is whether anyone actually reads it. Then they asked what's your plan for addressing any potential risks, including crocodiles. So... In order to test if it was going to get read, I, I wrote, We'll also have the ABC-issued 308 rifle cocked and loaded in transom-mounted holster, freshly oiled and scoped into 150 yards, with a delicious cluster at Mecketts Creek practice range. It turns out someone does read this. Someone? Someone? <laughs> someone pretty high up in Canberra, who issued a curt reply. Very funny, Mr Moore. Please confirm there will be no firearms on board, and you will take your own toilet paper.
7: Red, fast, and free! Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the tinny on Facebook
2: to get yours. From Shane, hi of the church, Uh, I'm in desperate times, split with the missus. Uh, Brackets, not a bad thing. She took the dog, God, I miss him, in brackets. Mm. Beer fridge decided to pack it in. She also took all the beer, in brackets. There's a lot of bracketed stuff here that's that's gone. So I've been uh, channelling my inner calm by pursuing the mighty barramundi in the holy and sacred rivers of far north Queensland. But alas, the fishing gods have been most unkind. Snapped rods, straightened, hooks, dropped fish. So... I'm reaching out to the bishops of the church in the hope that they will bestow their blessing on me in the form of 120YYY read Go Faster Light a sticker to help excise the demons that have played havoc with my faith in the last few months and bring me back into the fold of catching the mighty barramundi. Praise to the church. And as always, get a mullet up you. Thank you, Shane. And you, Stick, Shane. Yeah. Sticker on the way. Yeah. You need to guard that sticker, by that, the way. We don't want the sticker ending up in brackets.
3: That, that, was, that was awful to read. It was. Um, and he actually, uh, he actually, you know, as some people do, uh, write. you know, uh, exercise the demons as in like take them down to the gym. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. and put them on the treadmill. Make, uh, him, make them stronger, so they yeah, can yeah. come and smash you yeah, even yeah. harder. You don't want to exorcise the demons. You, <laughs> you want, want to exorcise. Exorcise. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or
2: excise. That's yeah. like tax the demons.
3: Excise. I think that's what you said. <laughs> I think I said excise. Excise the demons. Well, look. Yeah, they should look into that. Another uh, sticker request from uh, from James. Get a legends. South Aussie Murray Murray River fisher here, heading up to God's Country Dundee on April fifth for my second attempt at runoff, which isn't sounding promising. A lot like last year's. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you
2: never know. Yeah, yeah, but probably not. Mm. Sorry, no. we're meant to be
3: preachers of hope. So, absolutely yes, know, it's going to be a cracker. We're not listening to Lawrence. Fifth of April. We're, we're not we're no. listening to the to the finches. Exactly. The finches say yes. Only one undersized barrel last year, but plenty of dramas. Uh, bent prop shaft, uh, knackered prop after day two. But this year, I'm being positive. Uh, Rally more troops and going to give this runoff, if you can call it that, a red hot go. That's the spirit. That's the spirit, James. That's what we're looking for. Uh, just wondering how I get my hands on one of these prize fishing stickers I'm hearing about from James. Uh, good on you, James. Sticker is on the way. Fish those if you uh, want one of the, the prize Delilah. Ooh, why, 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 why? Red go fast stickers. Get in touch. Uh, fishing at abc.net.au or hit us up on Facebook. <laughs>
8: G'day, Tiny Crew. Uh, Joe here. Just wanted to alert the, the church of um, a bit of a virus I've caught, and um, I'm not real happy about it. Uh, recently, I've been in contact with a man who introduced himself to me as Darwin's West barrow fisherman.
3: That'd be Malbs.
8: I didn't think it was true, um, but the virus is real, and and it's got me bad off. Oh. Four recent fishing trips have resulted in zero fish uh, netted, except for one where fishing down south with uh, the old man Noodle, who managed to get the five bow hook straight in the middle finger. Uh, that cut the fishing trip short. Next trip, gone chasing some local Barramundi up in the home waters up here, and uh, mate's girlfriend gets a vibe straight in the leg within 10 minutes. So, boat back on the trailer off the Royal Darwin. And then just to top it off, latest trip, go to put the boat in, flat batteries. So um, the last three trips out around Darwin, um, zero fish netted, zero. The cursor's got me and um, I'm just looking for maybe one of those big red stickers to put on the boat and maybe turn the fortunes around.
3: At what point did you realise that, uh, that it was actually contact with, uh, with Malb's, Darwin's worst barra fisher that uh, was at fault here? Uh,
8: it was probably when I seen him again, so the second encounter. So I've had a double dose maybe. And I'm mentioning my story to him about the recent bad luck and, and showing him the picture of Noodle's finger. And he's like, I'm never going fishing with you. Imagine all our bad luck. And it probably hit me then that I was like, Jesus. Hang on a second. It's bloody you.
3: So have you since taken measures to avoid further uh, contagion?
8: Spent the weekend away in Adelaide. Just had to remove myself uh, from the environment for a little bit. haven't been fishing the last two weeks, so I'm looking out for maybe some advice from the church members if I uh, cease all contact with Darwin's West Barrow fishermen because this can't go on.
3: You need quarantining, Joe, I can tell you now. And uh, look, a face mask just—it's not going to do it at this point. Uh, yeah. Quarantine for at least at least two weeks, possibly somewhere out uh, around Howard Springs.
8: So, so uh, yeah, which one of us should go out there?
3: That—that's a good point. In theory, it should be Maubs. It shouldn't. It shouldn't yeah, the I'm, owner shouldn't so. be on you.
8: Here's the carrier, and uh, something needs to be done because if this keeps going on, there's going to be some cheap rods on Facebook marketplace for the church vendors.
3: Mm, no, it's a worry. I guess it's a double whammy for you, isn't it, Joe? It's like terrible wet season and exposure to mouths.
8: Yeah, well, what, what can I do? I'm at a loss, really.
3: It's pretty much a perfect storm, if, if you know what I mean.
8: <laughs> well, yeah.
3: Look, uh, stickers on its way for what it's worth to alleviate any pain of um, lack of fish caught. Uh, I hope you can get past this terrible affliction and start catching fish again.
8: Wonderful. Thanks, tinny boys.
3: Malbs, oi.
6: Hey.
3: Does this ring true for you, mate? Are you to blame?
6: I believe I could
7: be.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how much exposure to you is enough to besmirch uh, a fishing trip?
7: Well, uh, maybe uh, if I was to see someone for, say, an hour a week. That'd be enough? That could be enough.
3: Do you feel bad?
7: Of course I do. It
3: can't be helped, though.
7: It just can't be helped.
3: Mm. Joe suggested that, uh, that um, <clears throat> perhaps... You should be the one, not him, put in quarantine, possibly out at Howard Springs. Uh, what do you have to say about that?
7: Well, that is indeed possible. Um, I have uh, put myself on sort of a uh, a self-imposed quarantine, uh, as in Lord Mayor style. Uh,
3: you're not letting any fishers come close to you.
7: No, that's that's right. I'm not. No.
3: Mm-hmm. All right. That's very that's very good of you. How long before uh, you this quarantine uh, ends? Two weeks?
7: Yeah, yeah. That's, I think it's the uh, the standard time frame at this stage, just to. Um, if there is any sort of infection, just to make sure that it isn't communicated or doesn't develop into something more serious.
4: Right.
3: And a mask isn't going to do the job here, is it?
7: Maybe it's had more than a mask. Maybe a full chem suit. Mm. It's serious, man. This is serious.
3: Thanks, Malbs. Thanks for nothing, I guess.
7: Yeah.
2: Well, it's not coronavirus, Bede, but it is relevant to fish shows. Mm. You know, the concept that sort of bad fishing luck is actually contagious It actually raises the issue of vaccination. Like, is there like an anti-Malbs type vaccination available?
3: They need to take a piece of Malbs to develop that, you know. (laughs) To culture it. Yeah, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe perhaps it's small bits of exposure to the bad fisho in question, the unlucky fisho in question, that inoculates you against it over time. So maybe, you know, just rubbing up against Malbs here and there over time will in fact inoculate you.
2: Or maybe we should be looking at actually um, quarantining our mates from fishing on the boat, where a series of trips has resulted in bad luck.
3: That's about it for us, fishos. Thanks to, uh, to Keith, 82-year-old going on 20, Keith. Thanks to Chris and the whale shark.
2: Thanks to our man on the ground, Warren DeWith, whose head may actually explode if this rain doesn't come. Thanks also to Joe. Uh, and if you fishos have been in contact with Malb's, Two weeks self-quarantine is what we prescribed, at least. At least. The last thing anyone wants is this thing getting out of control, especially with the rain coming.
3: Oh, yeah. You got the message, Mounds. Thank you, Andy. And Merry Christmas <laughs> for 2017. <laughs> <laughs> that was lovely. That was, just, that was just lovely. And thanks to you, Nathan Corpus. And Fishers, if you ever were, uh, you know, find yourself uttering these words... I'm
6: sitting on around 75 metres and um, 90s just keep popping up and I'm just like trying to shake it, shake that bad 90 juju off.
3: Yeah, give yourself your, uh, a pat on the back first and then a uppercut. <laughs> Have a good week, fishers. Get a mullet up, yeah.